sisters, join the resistance. Come on, let's start by talking tactics. Have a pass and match this. Here's how we practice. The last order conversation. David Jason. Hey, listeners. Welcome to Pop Culture Continuum. This is John Elliott. And this is Patrick Riccardi. I am not nearly as angry at the listeners as John apparently is. Well, I'm I'm mad that we're they're not also viewers. Uh, I think at this point all podcasts should be video. I just don't know what it would be our video. Oh, um, uh, mostly me juggling. That's true. Yeah, I. I so I do listeners, have video when Skype. you watch this podcast in your mind in the the vidcast of your mind, is that what a podcast on video is called? A vidcast? I have to assume. Me too. Just imagine me juggling. Yeah, or uh, just uh, picture like Fred Flintstone running through the house past the same scenery a million times for an hour. It's pretty. That's a pretty good visual for our podcast, I believe, as well. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and then every once in a while, Pat pops in juggling. Um, flaming. I'm also flaming. Well, I mean, I think you're fairly masculine in your sexuality, but however you want to describe it. Um, today we are doing... The, our favorite movies from the 1930s and beyond. By which he means earlier. Beyond into the past. Got to be a word for that. Something like before, perhaps. No matter. That's what we're doing today. And keeping and with beyond. our long, long-standing tradition, uh, I'm going to let you go first, Pat. I have, I have a director on here three times. I'll say that much. Oh, you didn't do our traditional, if it's the same director, make him take up one spot? No, because they're different enough, I feel. Uh, yeah, I whatever. Or not. I don't. I don't know who directed these two films. I, so my number 10 choice is a tie, and I grouped them together not because of director, but because they're very similar. I don't remember them that well, but I've, I've seen them both in the, in the Beyond. Is that what the past is called? The Beyond. In the Beyond. beyond. Yeah, yes. Beyond. So uh, uh, first, public, The Public Enemy, starring Jimmy Cagney, I think most famous for the grapefruit scene where he mashes a grapefruit into his wife or girlfriend's face during breakfast or i don't know if that's what it's most famous for but it is very famous for that yes and and uh that's uh, jimmy cagney where both of these films not only are they crime and pre-code movies but they they feature portrayals that that got the actor kind of stereotyped for the rest of his career <laughs> and the other film as as you probably guessed is little caesar starring edward g robinson say and that's another crime crime film from back then and it's it's fun i have not seen either of those for so goddamn long um but i have seen them both yeah edward edward g robinson uh yeah who was who based his entire character on uh chief wiggum and exactly james cagney beyond yes of course james cagney famous for uh the phrase that he actually said you dirty fuckers i don't know why he sounded like nixon but that's his phrase there's another Jimmy Cagney movie, and I think it might be from the 40s. I don't quite remember, but and it's definitely a, against type after he did all the gangster and kind of heavy roles for years and years. But he played James Cohan, I think his name is. Oh, uh, James that M. Was, Cohan, yeah. That's a fun movie. Yeah, Do you Yankee remember? Have Dandy. you ever seen that? Yeah. Oh, is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. That's one of those, I don't know if you saw it then, but it was one of those movies that often got played on, on UHF channels on Sunday afternoons, and it was always fun to watch. Yep, I've I definitely seen it numerous times. And yeah. that's that's my first Wait, <laughs> first it, time I ever saw Jimmy Cagney. Is this Cagney the uh, top of the world, Ma, as well? Yep. Yeah, yep. okay, that's what I thought, yeah. And uh, this is the one, I think this is the one where he's a dirty crook and his brother is a district attorney. Yes. So John Dangerously... Is uh, this is this uh, the public enemy is kind of ripping off Johnny Dangerously? Yes, the great, great Joe Piscopo vehicle. And I thought it was a Michael Keaton vehicle. No, Joe Piscopo at that time was more popular than Michael Keaton. Michael Keaton at that time coming off of Night Shift, I think. Not not much to his resume. Um, anyway, yeah, no, those are both good. Both uh, neither one on my list. Um, my number ten is also a tie. Uh, with the earliest film on my list, a silent film. Uh, the Cab- oh, wait. Uh, my two films were both from 1931. I beg your oh, pardon. Oh, 31. Okay. Oh, they're both from the same year. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
Um, uh, the Cabinet of Dr. Caligari from 1920, uh, German expressionist weirdo film. Uh, you've, uh, you've probably seen it. I don't. Have you seen it, Pat? No, I've never seen it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. Just the set designs and stuff. I mean, silent films take a lot of getting used to for people mm-hmm. our age. Um, I have not seen a lot of dramatic silent films, which I think you would consider this. Yes, I, I'm with you. Like, I've seen, like, the old Laurel and Hardy and, uh, well, I guess those weren't silent, were they? They had some silence, right? Laurel they and had Hardy? some. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a mix. Yeah, and, like, Keystone Cops and stuff like that. But, yeah, this is... This is one of the the few uh, dramatic ones that I've seen. Um, oh, it's good. I mean, it's you know, it's creepy. It's kind of you you would call it maybe a horror movie back then. You definitely wouldn't call it that now. Um, but it's especially just for the the set design and stuff. Um, it's pretty pretty awesome. Wait, who was Caligari? Who did that? Why can't I remember? The director is Robert Ween Veen. Oh yeah, okay. That's why I don't because he. Didn't go on to do anything else. Um, a tie for that is... Uh, also, a... wait, in, uh, I'm just looking at the cast of Ka- uh, Dr. Caligari and Conrad Veidt is in it, who is most famous for being the uh, who they based the j- Joker on. Yeah, and also Colonel Clink. Mm. That, doesn't check, that doesn't check with my math, but I agree. Uh, tied with the testament... Te- the testicle... The testament of Dr. Mabuse... Which is uh, Fritz Lang, who is the director who made my list three times. That's from 33. That one is a weird kind of police procedural in a way, but also it also has this, like, uh, Dr. Mabuse, uh, who I guess he had done, this is like a sequel to another film, which I haven't seen, Dr. Mabuse the Gambler. Um, but anyway, he was, he's like some weird hypnotist and criminal mastermind and it, it's it's very convoluted actually for such an early film but uh i got it on criterion collection released it like a long ass time ago and i got it on dvd and and uh watch it and it was you know it's hard sometimes this period is is a lot is difficult for modern viewers to watch but it was pretty easy to watch um one of the earliest police procedural type movies that i've seen so th- those are my number tens what you got number nine Number nine, number nine, I chose partly to make up for not choosing a movie in the 40s, but also because not so much because I love it. I do like it, but it's more more choosing it because it's iconic and Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs. I, if I were thinking about it, I would have picked picked Pinocchio for the 40s because I really do like Pinocchio. Over but Fantasia, Snow White, you think? Uh, I, I well, never. I don't think I've ever seen Fantasia. I saw Fantasia as a child when it was like you know one of those re-releases in the theaters had pink eye, mm-hmm. whole time miserable fuck you fantasia that's why i didn't pick so you fantasia caused the i can only assume some, <laughs> some of that magical shit mickey was doing but this was the first big animated feature i think it won academy awards oh yeah it did because they had to make those special one for each of the dwarf actors and it's fun it's funny it's beautifully rendered and yeah this deserves a spot on our lists yeah 1937 you can look you can overlook disney's racism at this point i guess uh, my number nine, in not not really a similar vein. It's not animated, but um, a classic like that, The Wizard of Oz from 1939. I don't really think needs any explanation. I do. I mean, even as a kid, like I grew up obviously with color films and color TV. But like when it went from black and white to color, I thought that was like cool as shit. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I and that reminds me of a movie I saw recently from. Oh, it's a samurai movie. It's based on a manga. I forget the director's name. Like some type of, I forget his name. But anyway, it had a similar feature to it. But it was a current. Well, obviously, it's based on manga. I guess it's current. Yeah, 2017. It came out this year. Oh, thanks for reminding us all the year. Uh, yeah. This is this this episode is not evergreen. No. Blade of the Immortal was the name of the movie. All right. Lost interest. The Wizard of Oz. Uh. <laughs> With the great Ray Bolger playing Dorothy, of course. Um, so, you know, there was all the, there was the uh, myth that like one of the Munchkins committed suicide on set, and you could see it in one of the frames. I wish you wouldn't even say that because it would just that would bring that urban legend back, and people loved that so much that they refused to believe it wasn't true. It was not true. No, it was a grown man who committed suicide. Get over mm-hmm. the Munchkins. Again, 
Again, not true. What? It was what? a grown man who was murdered by oh. his wife. And made to look cheating. like a suicide. Right. Yeah, sorry. I always get it wrong. Anyway, who needs... And he lived. After, after being killed, he did live. That's good. I mean, that's what you always hope for from a murder case. Is um, it my turn yet? Yeah, go. Nobody needs to hear about the Wizard of Oz shit. Oh, I thought you had more uh, tales. Well, did you watch that as a kid? Yes. We used to, I think, like that was on every year at a certain time of year, maybe near Easter or Thanksgiving, something like yeah, that. And was I was like, a yearly event. You could like set your watch by it. Yeah. Yeah, and the, the networks made a big deal about this is coming or whatever network it was on. And I wonder if it went into public domain, so that's why that stopped, or if it just the advent of video made it like big deal. You're showing this movie we all own. And I I don't know. Yeah, but, although they do it with It's a Wonderful Life every year, so I mean, I don't yeah. see why not Wizard of Oz still. The happiest Christmas movie there is. My number eight is a silent film called M. Oh, shit. Fritz Lang. Ah, I didn't realize that. Wait, so that's not this, silent, this, though. Isn't it? I always remember it being silent. It's not silent, no. I've, I've watched it recently, yeah. But anyway, Peter Laurie plays a serial killer, right? Serial killer? A oh, children's ch- child killer. Child molester, yeah. Child molester murderer. Oh, I thought he killed them. Oh, oh he does. Okay. Yeah, it's anyway, fucking the crowd, dark. <laughs> the crowd is goes after them, and Peter Laurie is absolutely engaging his face. Just That's why I thought it was silent, because his face just tells such a story in that movie. It's barely anyway. out of... It's 31, so it's barely out of the silent era. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, it's not. Um, which... Which is good because he do, he whistles like that pure gent theme, um, uh-huh. through, do, 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 um, that is like super creepy. Um, no, he, oh yeah, dude, fucking Peter Lorre is the shit in this, and yeah. he is not a good guy. We should make no. that clear. <laughs> and I think this is the kind of role that the lesser actor would get typecast as. Well, he was always a bad guy, but he was able to get roles that weren't quite as. <laughs> this is a really dark film. Well, there's almost no role worse than this that he could have gotten i mean oh. jesus christ um yeah but it was also it's also interesting because at the end he like gives this speech about how like um it's not his fault like he he was born that way it like kind of goes into the psychology of it really early on um yeah oh it's a grim movie but really well done here's a weird fact i didn't know until reading about it before this movie he was known as a comic actor no shit I could see it. He's got the face for it. Back and he in those fled days. Nazis. I knew. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. Anyway. Yeah, M. And he's one of those actors that when he's in a movie, he uh, the movie's not necessarily good, but it he often elevates is because it. he was in so many classics. But when he's on the screen, you're you're just trapped to to watch him. Yeah. No, he's great. Uh, R.I.P. I assume. Nope. He's still living in a cave. He's like 147 years old. Well, he used to be married to Olivia Newton-John. Did not know that. Oh, well, he sank her career, I guess. Thanks for nothing, Peter Laurie. Could have done with another physical, to be honest. My number eight, uh, a little movie by a big director, Howard Hawks, called Bringing Up Baby, which is another one they showed all the time on UHF channels when I was younger, although it seems to me usually late at night, like not one of the daytime ones, weekend things. Um, but it stars, of course, Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn. And uh, it's a screwball comedy. Have you seen it? Yep, this oh. might be on my list. Okay, yeah, about, what is he, an anthropologist or something? Pa- paleontologist, oh. that's what it says here, yeah. Uh, it involves a, a leopard and... It, and he's nearsighted, though he can't see when he doesn't have his glasses, right? Is that part I, of it, or is that... Yes, that is definitely part of it. Um, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a ridiculous, stupid, funny movie. It's it's stupid as hell, and yet still holds up hilariously, I think. Um, yeah. And Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn together are great. Um, yeah. You can't fault bringing up Baby. Seen that probably a million times as a youngster. Um, have not seen it recently. Which is why I, I don't have more info. But I'm almost positive it holds up. Yeah, I, I would think so too. Uh, maybe Criterion will be doing. A, weirdly, I was reading that. Well, because they've been doing some like the Philadelphia story and stuff recently. Um, that it was a flop and like Hepburn was labeled box office poison by the Independent oh, Journal of America. Yeah. Yeah, because after, well, that's kind of referenced in that that 
the Scorsese was it Scorsese that made a movie about Howard Howard Hughes with Leonardo DiCaprio. Anyway, it's kind of referenced in that, and she kind of has to to leave Hollywood and go to stage and kind of like dominate stage in order to even get a chance to come back. Yeah, with the Philadelphia story, I guess was brought her back. It said it, it the reputation of it began to grow during the fifties when it was shown on television. So, yeah, that was a that was a Scorsese movie by by the way, the Avian. The re- the, the the avian flu is that mm-hmm. the full name the avian flu the, starring leo dicaprio the reputation of bringing up baby or the reputation of philadelphia story no no uh bringing up baby sorry oh, okay philadelphia story was a hit so okay yeah um also howard hawks joint anyway uh what have we got on your list for number seven I'm going to say a film, and it's not really about the film, but more about the people in it. Animal Crackers, Marx Brothers. Of course, Marx Brothers. I have a bunch of, I think, a few movies in the 30s, and it doesn't matter which which one you pick. They're all going to be fun, but this is the first one. This is the one that was based on the the stage play, and it has the songs, and it has the jokes, the jokes you think of when you think of Groucho Marx, and Groucho. it's really fun. Yeah. Um, huh, Marx Brothers. Maybe maybe somewhere on my list. Who can say? You can't go wrong with the Marx Brothers. Or, Did you? I guess we'll find out, but you. I wonder if you picked the same film. Who can say? Oh, man. When, okay, so I'm reading about all these like pre-code, and I'm, I don't know when the code was. 30-something. <laughs> yeah. Well, speaking of... I think the code in a lot of ways was in response to the, the, the two from 31 because they were glorifying criminality, the public enemy and little Caesar. Oh, got it. They were huge hits. Um, speaking of uh, directors, I, I realized I also have uh, another director on here twice. Maybe that's a clue as to which uh, Marx Brothers film I picked, if you can think about it, but we'll see. Yeah, of course. Uh I didn't know that was the first Marx Brothers, actually, Animal Crackers. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm, no, no, you're probably I got, right. I, 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 just I know, didn't know it's based on the play that they did, the whatever that. Well, it, it is the one with the iconic line, so I feel like it probably is yeah. the first. Yeah, I, sh- what's, I shot a, I shot an elf yeah. in my pajamas, what he was doing in my pajamas, I'll never know. Yeah, good reading. Um, Thanks. My number seven is another tie. Um Movies you might not be familiar with, both starring French actor Jean Gabin, uh, Pepe Lamoco from 1937, and Port of Shadows from 1938, and they're both kind of, in a way, early noir. Um, so Pepe, Pepe Lamoco is about uh, this this French gangster who uh, who Jean Gabin plays, and uh, he's like hiding out. Uh, from the law in uh, where is he Algiers yeah Algiers um, and you know it things do not end up well which is why I consider it kind of an early noir and then Port of Shadows is so he's not he's not a um, gangster in this but he is in kind of an underworld type situation that he doesn't necessarily want to be in um, and it it's kind of a love story as well, but it, it also doesn't end well. They're both really good. Um, it, I found both of them because Criterion did those as well, and uh, I don't think they've been released on Blu-ray, just DVD up to this point. But uh, yeah, Pepe Lamoco and Port of Shadows. Um, directors, I don't... I'm not really so familiar with the directors of these. Like, uh, I think the dude who did Port of Shadow or Pepe Lamoco went on to direct into like the 60s, but it was all French. He never made the move to Hollywood, so... You're not going to know most of his stuff anyway. In any and case, Port of Shadows is definitely film noir because it has the word shadows in the title. Yeah. And of. It's like out of the past. Gun of crazy. What do you got for number six? A double feature Capra. Mr. Smith goes to Washington and he brings Mr. Deeds to town. Two great movies, fun Jimmy Stewart's, young Jimmy Stewart going to Washington and facing corruption and breaking people's faces and mail coming in and happiness and just very good character actors. And and I think that's, that's just one of the good things about Capra movies is the character actors are so good. The, the non main roles are always overwhelmingly good. So Mr. Smith goes to Washington has a couple and the, the Claude Rains plays the elder Senator that, that Jimmy Stewart's working with. Who's, who's corrupted. The, uh, I don't think 
No, I don't think James Gleason is. But there's there's some great character actors in this. Yeah, you're and right. Mr. Capra always did that. Yeah. And uh, Mr. Deeds goes to town. Has I think we did an episode on this, right? I believe we did. Yes. It's the <laughs> the the thing I like about Mr. Deeds that goes to town that makes it a little different is is how like angry does irrationally angry <laughs> Mr. Deeds gets for not really good reasons. Well, he's he's a crankster. A crank <laughs> is that even a word? He's a crank. Yeah. And if you don't like black and white movies, you could just watch the Adam Sandler version. Oh yeah, uh, which is called Happy Gilmore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah, I, I totally forgot about that. We did do an episode on that. Um, seen them both, of course. Yeah, they're sweet movies, as all Capra yeah. stuff was. There's another one from the 30s that I haven't seen as often, so I didn't put it on the list. But it's, it's a good one, too, the one with Jimmy Stewart, where he's like a high upper-class person, and he's engaged to someone who who's not upper-class. It's not as iconic as these two, but another good Capra movie. Possibly seen it? Don't know. My number six, uh, Fritz Lang again from 27, the second oldest of mine. Everything else is 30s. Uh, Metropolis. This is one that... Didn't make the cut for me, didn't. but it is very good. It is, yeah. And just just the set design and stuff, again, like, it's all, you know, Bauhaus-inspired and shit. I mean, it looks really cool. It's like, it's, I think it could be considered a legit science fiction film. But it's so slow. I mean, it's fun it and it's beautiful, but it's so slow. And <laughs> I, I, I mean, I know it's because we're in this era where where attention spans don't exist and I and I don't have one but it's it's you really have to to sit with this movie to enjoy it it you got to be in the mood for sure mm-hmm. and you know it's it you know goes into class warfare and, and stuff like that in its team as all sci-fi does you know talks about uh, real life issues it's not it's not subtle by any means and it's not fast paced but it's visually it's great and it's worth it's worth seeing uh, if you're like, you got a flu or something. So at some, some at some point this this got like, I don't know. They they found a really good copy of it and they put it out there, or they restored it. It got a, a good restoration. And I saw it in at a theater where they had an actual organ playing during it. And it was pretty awesome. Yeah, that would be the way to see it. I know a lot of people have done uh, soundtracks for it as they've like released different versions on. Mm. on DVD and Blu-ray and stuff. Famously, like, Giorgio Moroder uh, did one in 84, who is that electro dude who worked with Donna Summer and everybody. Um, uh, But, uh, yeah, I wouldn't go for that one necessarily. I'm sure there's... Whatever version is out now on Blu-ray probably has some alternate scores you can listen to, so it'd be cool. Anyway. Or if your local art theater is showing it with an organ, go for it. Yeah, for sure. Um. You guys have those out there? I didn't know you had a... You were like I remember taking you here to see a movie with the organ player, and you were all stoked about it. No, I, I saw this in, in Santa Barbara, actually, at UCSB. They had... Oh. Yeah. Yeah, no organ players on the East Coast. Okay. Oh, it's... I, oh. I think we determined it was the same dude who played up here in Santa Barbara. Yeah. He just go, yeah, goes, goes all up the coast doing that. Right. Um, there's... When I lived there... I don't know if it still happens, but when I lived there, there was a story about him. It was the same guy that... The Arlington Theater in in Santa Barbara. Did you did I ever take you there? Nope. It's a beautiful theater that it's just like Art Deco. Art Deco. The the ceiling has stars painted on it, so it's like you're you're outside. They use it for the symphony and uh, big releases. But anyway, they used to have it like Friday and Saturday nights before the movie started. You could go and he'd play the organ while you sat and waited, and that was really fun. And there's articles about how he went up and down the, the California coast and, and did different theaters and did, did the organ playing. And there's other spots he stopped at, and he was the only guy that really knew how to do it. Yeah, once he's gone, no more organs at movies. It's going to be like Slash coming on or something. <clears throat> anyway, well, that was six, so that's the halfway point by my calculations. So, shall we take a quick break and uh, come back with our top five each? Sure, I just realized I skipped one. What? Oh, wait, so you did them out of order? Is that what you meant? I went from seven to six. Good one. Well, now we've all been informed. Uh, listeners, mentally rearrange Pat's next pick in your nope. mind. with his I, previous... Now that I look at it, I think that was a 
Nope. Keep it the way it is. Jesus Pretend Christ, I didn't say anything. Pointless conversation. This is. We'll be back that in was a moment. A pointless. My goodness. My my garters. Shut your face. We had a comrade, a brave comrade. He could talk for whole days. But then he tried to be a hero. Tried talking about Shamiro to computers wearing earphones. He almost died for conversation. Hallucinations, good vibrations. Van Dyke Park's great racing, steeplechasing. back this will be our last ever movie decades i guess we'll do the 2010s if we're both still alive by the end of this decade if any of us are still alive really um and that john i'm just fucking with you i'm still here just taking a moment to fart can i unshut my mouth oh uh yes please because i don't want to have to voice your I've held my breath for 10 minutes which is strange because we only took that break for like 30 seconds yeah I I was talking with my breath held for an awful long time plus I hold my nose at all times when I'm doing a podcast because you need to hold your nose when you're juggling yeah that's that's something most jugglers don't know which is why they they're no good they'll never make names for themselves as jugglers as the great jugglers of the past that we all know have in any case, number five or six—I don't know—you you fucked your shit all up. So, uh, but you're keeping this at number five, I do this assume. Is definitely number five. All right. It's a, a movie from a couple of guys you might have heard of: Laurel and Hardy, The Music Box. Would you like to say more, or were you <laughs> waiting for me to gasp or applaud or something? <laughs> I was hoping for a gasp, but yes. 1932, we've been to the stairs. We the, have. A part, the part of the film was funniness was at, and it's just a short, funny movie with Laurel and Hardy where they're moving a piano from one place. Oh, I guess it's not a piano. It's a music box. Anyway, funny. Go see it. And I don't even remember if it's silent or not. You said the Laurel and Hardy are silent. I don't think it's silent, though. No, I don't think so. It, it's definitely not. Because, you this know, is, the Stan, is, Ollie, yeah. Yeah, this is after the silent stuff. Uh, yeah, no, we did uh, right around the corner from where our, our friend and uh, and past guest, our Hollywood correspondent, David, lives. So if you want to go find where he lives, uh, you can go look for those stairs. Maybe you'll see him Look for those now. steps. Walk south for approximately 25 steps. Check your watch. If it's past three, go have lunch. If it's not, keep walking another 25 steps to the right, and then you're at his garden, and please leave him alone. You can, if you have like maybe an XTC biography or something, throw that up on his porch for him. But yeah, otherwise, leave the man alone. I don't know. Don't give him anything. If you're going to give stuff, give it to us. I don't, I mean, no offense, David, but I think you have a lot. Yeah. So do I. But I want another lot. And then I can fill it with sand and remake that film. Was that film terrible? I don't even know. Was that Daniel Stern? The only person I don't know. I know. I've never seen it. No, me either. Which means, by definition, it must be terrible. That's no problem, child, too, for sure. My number five is a little ditty. That's not the right word. I like to call L'Age d'Or. From 1930, uh, the Golden Age in English, Louis Bunuel's first feature, written with Salvador Dali, famously. There's no point describing the plot because there's no plot. It's a surrealist thing. Um, if Do you remember, like, in the 80s? I don't remember if it was on, like, 120 Minutes or The Cutting Edge or whatever it was, or just, like, late at night they used to show um, on Chien Andalou, that Louis Bunuel film with the, you know, cut it, slicing the eyeball and all that. No. That stole its whole idea from the Pixie song to Baser, of course. Um oh you don't they used to that was so fucking weird dude um but have you seen 
the movie on Chien Andalou? I mean, it's a short. It's like no. 14 no, minutes. No. But okay. Well, this is more of that. Um, if you're looking for things to make sense, they won't. But um, one of the one of the earliest and one of the only really um, surrealist films that just it's it's still today just because it's so weird you can easily get into it um and it's also it it doesn't hurt that it's uh it, you know talks about sexuality and shit like that talks i it's silent i do believe um what's it called uh lage d'or l apostrophe a-g-e d apostrophe o-r um i mean when you said it, i think you were sneezing i was in fact and uh giving myself a hernia but yeah, no, you should. 1930. God damn, I don't know why I can't remember whether it's silent or not. I feel like it is. It it won't matter. You know what? If there's dialogue, it doesn't matter. So go check it out. Lage d'or. What you got for number four? I have. It happened one night. Screwball comedy, funny. I, uh, one of the oh, I think it's the first movie to win, like sweep the Oscars. Clark Gable. Oh. Uh, this is Frank Capra too. I don't think I realized that every time I've mentioned this movie, I, I I'm told that again and I, I should have put it with the other Capras. Anyway, it's a very fun, funny movie. have not seen it. Strangely really? enough. No, it, that's another one that's on criterion too. No, I don't know why. Wait, is this what sleepless in Seattle is based on? I didn't know. I, I, I've never seen sleepless in Seattle, but I didn't know that was based on anything else as well. Do they meet at the empire state oh, building at the end? No, no, the, there, it's Sleepless in Seattle isn't based on a movie. It's just referencing it, right? And I don't think it's this movie. Sure. Okay. Whatever. Based on. That's just another word for stealing. Um, no. So this is a screwball comedy. Then you say. I don't know why I assumed this was a drama. No. It's yeah. It's well. I remember being really screwy and funny. So I'm maybe I'm wrong. So it's probably a dark drama. Yeah. I'm you a felt dark. the same way about M at first. That's true. Well, Peter Laurie has a funny face. I will. Okay. That's one I'll have to. That that'll be one that we'll have to put on our our list of shit to watch that one of us yeah, hasn't seen. It's it's funny. I mean, it's it's just one of those like romantic, you know, prototypical romantic comedy. Literally prototypical because I don't think there was many before it. Yeah, Clark. Well, Clark Gable. You said. Uh, do you know who the Claude, female lead? Claudette Colbert. Oh, Claudette Colbert. Oh, nice. Uh, famously, more famously known as Stephen Colbert's mother. Mm-hmm. And. You know what they say about Clark Gable? Frankly, my darling, I don't give a heck. You saw a different version of that film. That was the way they showed it to me in high school. I have a feeling, after you said that, that our number ones are going to be very, very similar. I can shatter your illusions right now because they shan't be. I have a strong feeling that our number ones will be very, very similar after you made that quote. In that they were made in approximately the same era, you may be in right. In that, that they will be the same movie based on the quote you just referenced. What's your number four? My I number know what four, it's not. Here, this is, you know what, this is a big hint because this is one of my uh, two directors that I didn't know was on my list twice. Uh, but it is directed by Mr. Leo McCary, his little film called Duck Soup. And also a Marx Brothers Marx film. Marx Brothers, yes. And this is the one where uh, where Groucho becomes the leader of this um, small country uh, that some old wealthy gas bag uh, puts him into, and it's just nutty. I, like you said, I don't really think it matters which one you pick. Like, there's so many good ones from mm-hmm. this era. But, oh, there was a earlier 1927 Laurel and Hardy film, Duck Soup. Did not know that. So... For God's sake, don't mix those up, people. One is a harrowing drama. One is a screwball comedy. And you'll have to watch both to figure out which is which. Sorry, suckers. Yeah, Duck Soup. I believe this is the one we watched at David's, but I can't remember. But, I, you know, I've seen it millions of times before that, too. If you grew up in our era, uh, which I pray you did not, it's not a good era. But they used to show these things on the UHF channels back when there were only three channels all the time on weekends. Um, Groucho Marx, Abbott Costello, mentioned it all before. Funny, I never really saw Marx Brothers movies when I was a kid. Maybe 
I don't know if it's geographical or just a couple years later they stopped showing them, but they really didn't show them that much when I was a Could kid. Be, yeah, I mean, they did show a lot of... Let's be clear, they showed a lot of shit, too, like Ma and Pa Kettle movies and, like, uh, the Blondie Ma movies. Ma and Pa Kettle movies. I remember them being good, but maybe you're right. What's the second thing you said? The Blondie movies? Do you remember those? Those were awesome! <laughs> okay. All right, well, you, you, obviously they showed different Blondie movies where you lived. <laughs> you mean Blondie and Dagwood? Are you talking yeah. Blondie? Okay, I just wanted to make sure you weren't speaking of the, the band from the, the early 80s. Or late 70s, depending on how you do your math. In any case, mm-hmm. that is my number four. Duck Soup, what do you need to know? It's a Marx Brothers. Screwball. The last screwball comedy on my list, I'll say. Um, would so. you? I, it's funny. I wouldn't consider Duck Soup a screwball comedy. I'd consider it an absurdist comedy. It just doesn't feel like a... Like, Marx Brothers don't feel screwball to me. They. they I just, guess that's true. It is more... It's just like joke, 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 joke. Yeah. Vaudevillian yeah. kind of... Yeah. True. I know. I, I guess that's. I guess there is a distinction to be made. I just, it is screwy. <laughs> one of us. One of us. One of us. Oh, so this is your number three, I'm assuming. And duck soup was very uh, cult-like. Yeah, number three is freaks. I didn't have didn't see that until recently, and I was really disappointed to to have gone so long to see such a wonderful movie. I think when you, you hear it, so we did it for the podcast, is that right? Exactly. Okay. Yeah. And when you hear people talk about this movie, it, it just sounds like something like a, like, Oh, you're going to see these freaks. It's going to be gross. And I don't know. I just never had any desire to watch no, it. It totally humanizes it, them. It's a super sweet, very good movie. Yeah. So yeah, this is, this is great. Freaks is my number three. I, it, it was not exploitative of, of the nope. people. No, which is, yeah super rare especially for that era and for any era we drew and another one famously um stole the plot from the ramon song pinhead my number three is uh, a classic of world cinema pat i hope you appreciate my taste it's called the rules of the game by jean renoir renoir uh son of the painter right yeah I don't fucking know if that's true. At one point, I thought it was true. Let's look you up, Jean Renoir. Um, in any case, it was the painter. It is a painter of film. It, it yes, he was a painter of film, and I have not seen like uh, the Grand Illusion, which also stars Jean Gabin from Port of Shadows and Pepe Lamoco, uh, which is also considered to be a great one of his. Um, he was the son of Pierre Auguste, Auguste Renoir. Um, this one is, it's basically, uh, how to even describe it? It won't sound fun if you describe it. It's a bunch of, like, upper-class people getting together at some chateau for the weekend um, to do their upper-class bullshit. Um, so it's kind of a commentary on on the classes and also on the uh, upcoming World War. Uh, this was made in 39. Uh, La Regle du Jeu is the French title. But uh, but it's got it's also it's got humor and it's also sad and dramatic and it's got a lot of things going for it. Definitely worth watching. Not action packed, but uh, emotionally it's very charged and and I really like it. Have you seen it? No. Oh, okay. Sounds great. Yeah. I have to go on a list. All right. What do you, what, man, I'm interested to see, well, I mean, I basically know what your number one is, I guess, but what is your number two? Well, I just want to say, I have a strong feeling, based on your quote from earlier, that our number ones might be very similar. Frankly, my darling, I don't give a heck. Okay, well, That's we'll see, the one. That's we'll the see one. what happens. I have, I, I just, it's a feeling in my loins. But my number two has already been mentioned by you. It's Bringing Up Baby, a true screwball comedy. Yes. If you want to go by definitions. Uh, yeah, I think we saw a lot about it. It's very funny. It's very good. If you've never seen it, you really should because it it's funny. It might. It's probably not public domain. I don't think it's been long enough yet. But uh, it's, I think I it's you can disappointing find it. that, that uh, like Netflix and Amazon, they have so much content, but they don't have nearly enough of like, like black and white content. Oh, they're like uh, old people. They don't know how to watch, use these apps. Yeah. <laughs> 
it's just so weird. It, it doesn't seem like it would cost that much to to have a bunch of classic movies on any of the services, but I guess whatever it costs isn't worth it, and that's a shame because a lot of this stuff doesn't does you know it's hard to no, you, it doesn't get seen anymore on TV. Or? So it so it doesn't get seen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I I didn't know about Criterion Collection going into the beyond as as we say now. I guess I used to say the past, but it's beyond. Uh, but that's cool that they're doing that. Yeah, maybe they're buying up rights, and maybe maybe we'll get that this one. I would love to see bringing up Baby uh, as a Criterion release. That'd be fun. Wait, that was your oh, that was your number two. Yeah, we were, uh, my number two. Also already mentioned my last Fritz Lang M, starring Peter Lorre from Thirty One. Not a silent movie. So, so felt silent. Calm yourselves, people who are afraid of silent movies. Um, but yeah, no. It is great. Cinematography is great. Peter Lorre, always great. We've already discussed it. So what you got for number one? And I have a feeling that you have a feeling that we have a very similar number one. So Yes, based on a quote that you said earlier. Yes. I have a strong suspicion that your number one will be identical to my 1934 pick for number one called The Thin Man. Oh, that's a good pick. Now, this is based on the Dashiell Hammett sto- story book. Called, also called The Thin Man. And it's a wonderful, funny, very good apt- adaptation of the book. And had to be one of the first franchises, I would imagine. Yeah, and, and it spawned a bunch of sequels. I don't know if... I didn't see, I don't think, any of the sequels. I don't know if any of them were as good as the original. But the original is William Powell, Mayor Loy. Funny, funny lines. Very good. I, I, I feel like the... What was that... Uh, that fake old time radio, I mean not fake, but the modern old time radio with Paul Tompkins. Oh I yeah, like that was kind of a reference to the Thin Man. Not, I mean not exactly the same, but you know. No, yeah, the wise cracking like yeah. yeah, and they are de- they are detectives, I guess, um, private. Uh, I think retired, right? But they still get like into cases and shit. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They're they're like rich for some reason. I can't remember. I don't know if it's ever explained why they're rich. They might have inherited money. Yeah, I don't know. It doesn't really matter, but they drink all the time and they happen to solve crimes. And this is, I mean, the story in the film matters and it doesn't matter because they're so, and I guess that's why it spawned sequels where the sequels just had to have those two cracking wise. And yeah, that's all you need is winning formula. Right. But the, the story in the first one is actually good. The book is good. And this, I think is the best adaptation of Hammett in that, like, the Maltese Falcon is, is a far superior film, but I don't think it is. It feels as much of, a, of an adaptation, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it doesn't really capture the writing the way this does, I feel like. Yeah. 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 Uh, you know what? That's a really good choice. Shit, I didn't even... Well, uh, you're going to be disappointed, because uh, my number one is another Leo McCary movie, Make Way for Tomorrow, which we did on this podcast. Ah, Possibly one of the saddest movie. movies ever, yeah. Um, but a great one. And as we said on that episode, uh, to tell you the plot makes it sound like something you would never want to watch in a million years, but it is great. It is about old people and uh, how they are treated by their families, and uh, it is it is a great movie. Make way for tomorrow. Can't recommend Wonderful it movie, yeah. I, I disappointed in myself that I forgot. That's from the 30s, or I forgot about it at all, because it's really good. Yeah, well, I mean, it seems way more modern than the 30s, for, for one thing, I think. But yeah, no. But I do have a question for you. How were you so sure that my number one wasn't going to be the same as yours? Were you just absolutely positive that it wasn't make way for tomorrow in my case? Well, yeah, because obviously the quote, um, frankly, my darling, I don't give a heck, is from the middle about the Hex, the Heck family. Oh, true. Um, so I thought yours was going to be what the movie that stole its idea from the middle. Uh, from Everybody the loves 30s. Raymond. Yeah, exactly. The original, the 30s version. Of Everybody Loves Raymond. Um, yeah. Uh, coincidentally, also starring Peter Boyle. Yeah, way back then. Peter As Boyle. a youngster. Yeah, he played one of the kids. He played the daughter, a balding, weirdly. Yeah. A balding daughter, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was a tour de force. R.I.P. R.I.P. Peter Boyle. Have you ever written or read a film review that the, 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 like the headline for it is, it was a tour de farce? I mean, I haven't, but I will write that. If it hasn't been done, which I can't imagine. Um, 
Yeah, you know, I, I should write film reviews, don't you think? Why not? So I, I, I definitely think you should also write music criticism. I don't need qualifications for that shit. Then you get all this free stuff, too. Trailers. Not trailers, uh, screeners. Do you get screeners if you're just a critic? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But are you a legitimate critic if you're just an internet critic? I think you are. Some of them are, I think. Some of them must get screeners. God damn, well, I'm lazy. I really need to bust into this. Getting you can, if you shit. get if you're on a legitimate site, and I guess it depends on how it used to be that yeah, not screeners, but you'd get invited to the premieres the critics and... the critics premieres like yeah. a couple days before. So in big cities, they'd have them and like. Listen, man, I have no, I have no uh, intention of working for HuffPost or any of those corporate entities. If I'm going to do it, it's going to be all me, and then I'll never get anything free. So there's been a long standing, and I'm changing the subject now, desire for you to watch, for me to watch a television program, and I'm finally going to do it. I just, I just need you to tell me which episode of Louis should I start with? I would, you know what? You should start with the series finale and then just go to ep- season one, episode one and watch it all through from there. Cause then, then you don't have to worry about your whole thing about like, Oh, I don't, I'm so worried about getting to the end. I want to, you know, I want to enjoy this for as long as I can. No, just watch the, watch the finale and then start from season one, episode one and go through in order. That was an attempt at topical humor. I'm not watching any Louie. Oh, Louie. I mean, we've already talked about it on the show. It's not news to us. I was just waiting for it to come out basically. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, no, I mean, there's, there was plenty of people. Well, I thought it was true, but it was, there was enough denial and enough, like nobody, no actual person came out to say it. It was just kind of right. Well, Jen uh, Kirkman came close a few years ago and then she deleted the podcast and, but yeah, but she, yeah, she, she heard it like third or fourth hand. She never heard it directly from someone. Right. But so then that was as close as it came. But a yeah, couple is... weeks ago, Tig Notaro brought it up. She was yeah. kind of the Hannibal Burris, uh, you know, as he did with Bill Cosby. She was kind of the Hannibal Burris in that situation of bringing it to light, which I'm sure helped spurn the New York Times article um, and research. And, you know, well, I, I would imagine it not so much. Well, maybe the New York Times article, but more it spurned the the two comics from Chicago who it actually happened to to actually talk. Yes. Like people knew their identity, like reporters knew their identity, but they didn't report their identity because they didn't want to go on the record. Right. Which right. speaks well of sites like Jezebel, which they had the people's names and they had people like anytime the story would come up, there'd be all these comments. You can't report this. This is just rumor mongering. It's like, ugh. yeah, they wanted to report it, but they couldn't. Anyway, that was my attempt at the joke and you ruined it by trying to force me to watch the damn show and I'm not going to do it. Uh, so you're not going to watch The Wire. All right. Well, I didn't say The Wire. Oh. I said there's a show you've been trying to force me to watch called Louie. Nope. You and know what? You told me you, don't you need told to, me to start with the finale. You don't need to watch. Oh, man. Yeah. And don't do that either. Jesus. That's a. I, if my memory serves, that's a disturbing way to start it in light of all this shit coming up. Um, do you think I said the wire? That's what I thought you were talking about until you said the Louie thing. Yeah. I thought you were, uh, you were being. Oh, you just, just ignored what I said. And no, no. I, no I knew you said Louie, but originally I thought you were talking about the wire. And you <laughs> well, just said Louie as a joke. So. No, of course I'm going to watch the wire. I just don't know when. Uh, no, don't. I mean, I see no reason. You know, I liked him. I saw him live a couple times. And. I see like nothing wrong now with just saying nope. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do your buy your shit anymore. I'm still gonna watch better things. And I still want to watch the Tignataro show, but no, I'm not gonna watch oh, stuff. Oh no, stuff that he's public. produced is fine. I mean, his his own. Well, you know. no, no, it's not fine because I'm not gonna watch that movie either, which was oh, God, that we have talked awful. about. Yeah. No, I, well, I wouldn't have watched that anyway. No. No. Um. Anyway. Yeah. Well, sorry to bring it down. No, no, I, you know what, I, and I was really down this week about all this shit, and, and, you know, I was talking to Viv, and, and really should be, it should be a positive thing, because with all these people coming forward, like, people have to listen now, you can't just exactly, write it yeah. off, you know? Yeah. I mean, it sucks, but we already knew this kind of stuff was happening, so it is kind of positive that more of it, like, more of these people are, are getting their petards hoisted. Yes, and I, I do see some people saying, well, but, that, but does this have to, you know, does it have to destroy their whole careers? And like, well, yeah. I mean, fuck them. They did it. Let their careers be destroyed. I, yeah, well, I don't have a lot of sympathy for millionaires getting their careers destroyed. Well, Sorry. 
why don't you have a little more sympathy for the 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 people whose careers were ruined by them like right the, who were forced out of comedy or hollywood or getting good gigs whatever yeah right intimidated out or, or whatever yeah and i mean the louis stuff is i mean it's it's not as bad as Weinstein, so it's easy to kind of minimize it because you and know it's, it's not it's, as bad, but it's still awful. It's awful. No, and it's, it's like it's also compare... easier to minimize it for a lot of people because they enjoy Louis and they they relate to him and they you know they he was he did good things you know uh, content wise. So I think a lot of people have a problem with that. I don't have a problem. And with I it. thought his response, while it wasn't as bad as other responses wasn't good either because you know, there's other stuff that happened that he's not admitting to. Right. And the only reason he's admitting to this is because these women went on the record to the New York times, but there's, I don't know that there's others, but you, from the New York times article where he said, he's like, I'm sorry, I pushed you in the closet. So he was thinking of someone else. Right. I'm sorry. I pushed you into the bathroom stall. Yeah. I, bathroom, sorry. Yeah. Yeah. And no, she's like, I, didn't happen to me, but so yeah, it's, it's gross. And the only reason he, he, Tignataro gave him an opportunity to, to come out apologize and or do whatever and be remorseful and it still would have hurt his career but it could have been a lot less disgusting than this where a story had to come out and this is so for years and years he denied that anything happened and it, it made the people who weren't talking not want to talk because he was denying it so it's like yeah it's gross and i i mean it's the stuff about his producers or not producer manager sounded pretty bad too and he is also amy Poehler's manager so that kind of makes me sad and aziz ansari's manager he is a lot of people's manager um yeah i think um uh, yeah i don't know you know what there's there's enough good content out that you don't have to buy the shit that awful people make nowadays right. you know what i mean so fuck i i did want to mention i did love uh Paul F. Tompkins quote. Did you see that? Yeah. Um, let me see. I finally see how deeply my actions have affected other people emotionally since they're now affecting me financially. Yeah, I did see that. <laughs> yeah. Um, which, yeah, which is what, to your point about Tignataro giving him the chance. And that's how it comes out of when he gave his apology, which he did own it, but he also, I mean, there was a lot of bullshit in it as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, you know, and the whole, the whole, I didn't know and blah, blah, blah or I told myself, I thought it, that it was okay. Cause I was asking, no, you knew dude, like you did know, you know, I just come out and say, you know what? i I did awful shit and I'm really fucking sorry. And I'm going to work on it. That's all you need to say. Yeah. He didn't apologize at all. Yeah. The, and, that, that, what he wrote would have been fine in a 20 years from now, like, a memoir. But at this point it was just kind of. It was about himself and not about the people he harmed, which was, was unfortunate. Yes, a lot about himself. Yeah, you, I'm sorry to the people I'm, I've harmed. I can't imagine how much this has affected your life adversely. I'm truly sorry. I'm going to try to get help. Well, that's it. I mean, and then take your fucking medicine. Anyway. There hasn't really been a surprise so far. Well, I guess there has been a couple, but there's been a lot of people who've been accused, and most of them have been like, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I um I saw like Jeremy Piven posted something about like my accused this is not true these I, I hadn't heard anything about him. I I just wonder if he's like just trying to get on the bandwagon, honestly. No, no, he, his accuser came out. Oh. And, and he was like there's no way this happened. Yeah, we we know why there's no way Jeremy Piven. Uh <laughs> but in any in any case the the Kevin Spacey movie thing is fucking crazy. Yeah, Ridley Scott is, that, is badass. That is badass. I have to give him props for that. My and, favorite, I don't know if you saw this, was somebody on Twitter put a picture of Chris, Christopher Plummer from an episode of The Cosby Show, and he's like, Chris, they're also redoing The Cosby Show with... I think that's the best. Just do all these shitheads redo Louie with Christopher Plummer. Just Christopher Plummerize everything. Uh, yeah, but the so nice funny. thing about The Cosby one was they didn't have to Photoshop. It was it was an actual episode he was in. <laughs> Oh man! And I also like that the the studio has refused to let Scott uh, cast Christopher Plummer, and now he gets his dream. So maybe maybe he's the one that uh, pushed people to say stuff about Kevin Spacey. Two two people I never thought would be competing for the same roles: Christopher Plummer and Kevin Spacey. But <laughs> that's weird. Uh, Recommendations, Asians, 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 Asians. Asians. Uh, oh, I have one even though I've just done two, like, in the last few days. Yeah. Peek behind the curtain. But um, Mindhunter on Netflix. Not a bad show. I've heard good things. Yeah, yeah it's it's decent. Um, 
you know, I, I'm not a huge fan of all Netflix shows. A lot of them have their problems, but it seems good. It's about uh, the the early days. That's a of, weird thing to say. A lot of them have their problems. A lot of a lot of stuff. A lot of their stuff has problems. Uh, well, it's I mean, just like a lot of the stuff that people get really excited for, I I kind of give up on after oh, okay. an episode or two. This one, so I you, you didn't watch the second season of Stranger Things. Uh, watched the first episode of the second season so far. Okay. Um, but anyway, I have been watching this one, and it's basically about the early days of FBI profilers of serial killers. Uh, so it's it can be gruesome at times and subject matter, but it is it is interesting and and somewhat fascinating. So Mindhunter, what do you got? I'll have to check. I had that recommended to me. I have a a couple. I will start with music because I saw her live recently. Eleanor Fried Friedberger, I think. And uh, she had an album called New View from like two years ago. And it's very good. If she's in your town, you should go watch her. And if you have an opportunity, you should listen to that album. It has a, a few very good songs on it. And I think she has a new album coming out soon. And um, the second thing was, oh, Thor. Thor oh, was Thor, very, Rock. very funny. Yeah. Was it? Yeah, very funny. I think you would actually like this one because it wasn't, it wasn't Paint by the Numbers Marvel movie. It was different. It was good. It was funny. So I recommend that. And the third thing, and I'm going to steal a recommendation that our future guest Yvonne would have had because she recommended it to me. Dirty John podcast about crime in Orange County. Very well done. It's a companion piece to an article uh, a writer for the LA Times did. And it's exquisite. It's very, very good. It's Wait. every episode you're kind of wowed by the weirdness of the family. In Orange County. Wait, did I hear you correctly? Should I take offense at the name of this podcast? What is it again? Dirty John. Yeah, that's what I thought you said. I don't know why you take offense to it. You're not dirty in any way, except your penis. Yeah, my, I mean, my and general hygiene. Uh, hygiene? Yeah, no, well, you said Eleanor Friedberger uh, was just solo, just her, like no band. Yeah. Right? yeah so yeah. I'm going to be interested to hear from people who've seen St. Vincent because all the pictures I've seen from her tour are just her on stage. Um, oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I can't wait. You should get tickets. I don't care I if it's a bad venue. It. It's an awful venue. I can't do it. I've seen her. If I hadn't ever seen her before, I would consider it. But And this is it is a great album, but... Oh, which, speaking of albums, reminded me in last week's episode, I recommended the Husker Du box set, which I didn't even give the name of, which is Savage Young Du Du. And there is also a podcast uh, on Husker Du that just started, that I guess to coincide with the release of this uh, box set about their early years called uh, Do You Remember? Du You Remember? Uh, which I haven't listened to yet. But speaking of podcasts I haven't listened to yet, uh, have you listened to the new Lauren Lapkus, John Gabris podcast? I'm no, I, super excited to listen to that and see what it's like. I haven't heard about that, so I'll have to add it. I think it's called like Raised by Television or something like that. Um, is it comedy? Is it like improv or is it just them? I think it's them talking about like TV shows they watch when they. But they're so hilarious, the two of them. Yeah. I can't imagine yeah. it's not great. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I look forward to her doing more things like getting more roles in in stuff that everybody watches because she's so funny it, it seems inevitable it'll happen she's in one of those netflix shows you hate but it's a very small role oh yeah yeah she what well, was yeah she was on it but did you see her netflix thing um that was all her well was it a part of the other ones like the, was the there's a bunch where it's all that the, yes, what's yes. called characters yeah yeah characters. it was good yeah um that was that uh that stripper thing was very haunting and horrifying i thought it was great anyway yeah i hope she i hope she gets super huge but i think she's doing all right um yeah she's great anyway uh let's do this fucking thing that we do at the end of every goddamn episode write to us at popculturecontinuum at gmail.com if you have any questions comments or concerns Rate us highly on iTunes, preferably with five stars or higher, and also write a very good review. Please, more people rate us on iTunes because some person who's a big star, big fan of Married with Children brought our rating down way low. Yeah. Asshole. And like us on Facebook, but most importantly, tell your very best friends to listen and your enemies to listen so your best friends aren't lonely. I will. Once again, say to that person who listened to our podcast, go fuck yourself. I wish he just wrote a better review and gave us a high rating. I don't. 
Yeah. Well, it still would hurt my feelings, but oh, it doesn't hurt my feelings. Down. I'm just like, you are a punk ass. <laughs> anyway, let's end on that note. Uh, until next time, goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. <laughs>